since the uh, Marie Kondo show. I don't know. It's not called the Marie Kondo show, but because it's she's like become, tidying up or yeah, something. Yeah, tidying up. Thank you. Is that because, it? Since it's become so ridiculously popular, you know, I had to start with that. With a cleaning something. Well, you I mean, always start with a cleaning something. Well, there's just there's so many to share. I mean, so last. So you week, could have been Marie Kondo if you, you know. I don't know about all that, but I spoke with a <laughs> professional organizer last week. Remember that? I was oh, like, are you? Oh, oh yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And she actually confirmed the same methods work. So pull stuff out and uh, categorize. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the, this whole, it's fascinating how this commercialized, of course, right? Where they're encouraging people to buy the boxes, I guess, similar to the show, but the boxes are like $90 or something ridiculous. And they're just regular boxes. Yeah, you could just take, so we have our A little Amazon, box. <laughs> Amazon boxes or whatever boxes come in the mail. Okay, so just so people can be clear. So we get, like probably all of you, we order things from Amazon all the time. And instead of throwing away the boxes unless it's that too we big. get, unless it's too big, I opened the kitchen, I opened the cabinet under the kitchen sink, and I was like, oh, it looks very organized in here. <laughs> and sure enough, they were like repurposed Amazon boxes. So like, you can go out and buy the $90, $90 boxes, or you can make Amazon the gift that keeps on giving and repurpose the boxes, unless you have a thing about like that not looking together. Since I don't particularly care, it works perfectly for us. <laughs> It works. It, it works. I'm gonna use, period. I'll use your line. It works, y'all. <laughs> and I do, do I say that? I'm mad that you tried to impersonate my, my y'all. Welcome to the Teaching Gab podcast episode 18. 18. For 2019. We're officially adults. We're like January, 18. January 31st. Uh, oh, I said Friday in the it's show. Thursday. Though. It's Thursday. My brain thinks it's Friday. Thursday. Where we gab about the gap, the teaching gap, the parenting gap, the life gap. And we, this is our space where we share teacher, parent, and life problems. And, uh, and I stand beside that we might need to just call it like kitchen conversations with the crumbines because yeah, we talk about all things. If you have things. a suggestion for a different title for the podcast, let us know. You can vote for mine Kitchen Conversations with the Crumbines. You always like things to be short titles. That's a long title. You're all about that short. Yeah, okay, and fine. Wow. Next, next. Um, and we do our best to find solutions here in the kitchen. I'm Dave Crumbine. And right next to him in the kitchen is Aisha Crumbine. Sponsors of the show are Flipboard and Anchor, which we will put in the show later. Thank you for the supporting the show. And to all, thank you who have texted, emailed, and called in. Um, if anyone has used Marie's method, um, please email in your tips, your feedback, and we want to hear. Well, I want no, to hear. I was going to say, I, I do not want to hear about organization or cleaning tips. <laughs> Y'all can talk about that on your the own. The Con Marie method. It's oh just gosh. wonderful. Oh my gosh. Oh, When, when We're going to take the, three here because mommy said a bad word while recording the first time around. So I'm going to use better language. Top 10 ways to raise a J.K. Rowling on that uh, title. Not that we're saying J.K. Rowling is the ultimate goal, but just as a catch-all of, oh, okay. Because she's awesome. She, <laughs> well, I, chatted, I didn't use that word last time. I chatted with two moms about a possible title on this. I was around a bunch of parents. I thought, you got to help me figure this title. And I put some others out there, put, put a few ideas out there. And I said, these are boring. Help me come up with a better title for this podcast. <laughs> the first one was, 
um, top 10 ways to raise a Stephen King. <laughs> I thought, wait a second, people um, are going to think we're trying to turn our, our kids into horror writers. Yeah, no. So the goal was not J.K. Rowling or even, of course, Stephen King. But when I was in year three of teaching, <laughs> I will forever remember getting so angry. I was a terrible teacher then. And I and I remember I'd get I got really upset with a kid because he just he couldn't figure out what he was a low student but regardless I couldn't figure out how to help him he didn't know what the next sentence should be he didn't know what else to write he's like this is all I've got this is all I can do and and he's trying to turn something in which is probably three percent complete and in his mind it's a hundred percent complete and I I had to, of course taught all the lessons and all these things. And I got annoyed, and of course I was really annoyed, because I was annoyed at myself. I was probably wasn't mature enough to figure that out then. I know I wasn't mature enough. But when you, when you, when your students or your children cannot figure out a better sentence or the next sentence or how to keep going in that paragraph, how to keep writing and keep the ideas down, the line we so often come up with is, is you know, details. Like, what other details can you write? But it doesn't help, because I think that's more of a a what than a how. And so we thought about this podcast of the 10 things I sure wish I knew when I was teaching, and, and we are able to use it with our own kids now, and it really helps to make writing not be this painful experience, but something that is you have your toolbox as a teacher, you have your toolbox as a parent that you can go to. And uh, so without further ado, without further ado, um, top 10 and starting with number 10 is that, that, that favorite old question of how do you spell this word? <laughs> how do you spell this word? So I'd say number 10 of top 10 ways to raise a J.K. Rowling, not Stephen King, is uh, <laughs> when they ask how to spell the word, uh, the A lady and the S lady are always uh, good tools to turn to. I mean, certainly can ask the teacher as the parent, but I don't think teachers like answering spelling questions over and over and over again. I know I would always say do your best and they could go back and revise it, but if you're at home, the uh, Siri or the A-Lady are always a good option. Yeah, and it's cool because at this point, our kids don't ask us. Like they ask our, our, our um, I don't want to call them co-parents, but like our voice, in uh, a box. our voice in a box. Like they, you know, our son will say, A-Lady, how do you spell blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's great. Number nine, I know you are not a fan, but I will, I will cover it because <laughs> I, I am a fan. I saw this in the notes, and I was like, uh... well, Yeah, I thought you'd be happy about the fact that it's high on the list, that okay. it hadn't got to the, the real juicy parts, you know, one, two, or three. Um, Hemingway app is not an app, but it's HemingwayApp.com. We need to put that in the show notes, too, if so we don't remember, we remember mm-hmm. to have it there. And in Hemingway app, it, it's, it's a website, and... By the way, that water you're trying to put down really slowly, they can totally hear it. Um, well, we should have worse <laughs> microphone. Nah. A worse microphone. Well, so the Hemingway, <laughs> you, you, it's basically helping to decrease sentences that are too long. It's, um, it, it's fascinating. When you go to the website, you can just, they have a sample paragraph, and it's color-coded to help someone actually revise the writing. I mean, you could use it as you're writing. I think it's powerful there. It's powerful if you've already written it and want to revise it or write as you go. But it's highlighting when you have sentences that need help on 
brevity or he has other sentence structure things it's not the spelling and it's not the grammar so i guess you would say it's more the craft it's sentence structure so this is great for kids who who start their sentences all the same way Mm. something like the boy went to the store he bought pizza when he went the pizza was cold like there's no sentence variety um, and I think this is probably one of the reasons why I don't love Hemingway because, um, like, I am a, writing is my thing, and so I think there is more craft to it. But for some kids, that craft doesn't come naturally, and to break them of the habit of writing sentences all the same way, they can put their paragraph into the Hemingway app, and the app will show them where they have really basic sentences, whether they have really simple sentences. Um, and it'll encourage them to look at their sentences and see how they can create sentence variety. So if you were, if you were like a middle school teacher, this would be a great place to say, like, if you have all the same color sentences in the Hemingway app, you might want to go in and put the predicate first and then put the subject second or add a prepositional phrase in here somewhere to add some variety to your sentence structure. It, I would, they would ask me to read their writing before it was turned in as a final draft. And my one rule was it had to go through Hemingway first. It's, it's amazing to me that this thing is free. Um, and when they go in there, it fixes one of the, I know, for, it's particular for kids who haven't had great experience with writing or second language learners, the number of run-on sentences is all over the place. Yeah. And this fixes run-on sentences and it's a pure joy to help a kid when it's first they're writing when it's first gone through yeah so i think that's important to note um so this is a great app for students who it's just a website not an app i just want to think like they have to download an app or something it's really that simple you just go to the website and you start typing right so it is great for kids who are english language learners who kids who are not natural writers, um, so less creative kids. I think it's actually really great for kids who are kind of math inclined. They're kind of formula formula inclined, um, because this allows them. This kind of gives them a way to add some creativity to their writing when they don't have to do it from scratch. Number eight. Now uh, this is a tad confusing, and I could go on for a while, so I'm just going to condense this. If you want to ask questions, this would be a great chance to, to email in, and we could talk more offline about it. This comes from the master of revision, Barry Lane, and what he essentially did is he showed a photograph. You can do this with, with kids. He showed a photograph of a streetcar in San Francisco, just people on the streetcar, wherever they're going, and then he shows a zoomed-in picture of the same streetcar, but now it's zoomed in on this one person holding on to the handrail as the car is going up the, the steep San Francisco road. And the idea was most kids would say things like, there's a streetcar going up a hill. And then when you zoom in and you can see the facial expressions of the guy, you can see him holding the handrail, the sentence then becomes, John was was thinking about his interview coming up in the job as he held tightly to the rail. So all of a sudden you've gone from blurry to zoomed in. And I th- the, the concept that kids struggle with so often is getting, you know, what's the, the show don't tell? Mm-hmm. And, and that it. sounds cool, but it's like, how do you do that? Yeah. And so if they can 
really zoom in either mentally or sometimes make you, maybe they actually draw a picture or maybe they actually find a picture. Oh, yeah, find a, way find to a zoom picture in. would be a great way I to I remember do it. showing the kids a, a blurry picture, and blurry does not mean blurry. It just means it's, um, it's a big what's the word I'm looking for? Zoomed, zoomed out. out. Zoomed out, right. Yeah. And then I would show the same thing zoomed in, and I would ask them to tell me orally, like, what there is in particular action happening. So I think that would actually be a great lesson, like, to take this and put it into practice. You could take a picture from any place, like a magazine, a picture they bring in, and, and ask the kids, what do you see? But do both. Do the blurry and then the revised writing because if they can get in that practice well, just of... give me a second i haven't got to the second <laughs> but if i'm saying if you can like start at the like what do you see and then have them zoom in. they could even take a little like you could take a, a glass and take you know like a magnifying glass and zoom in on a portion of the picture and say now what do you see like what's the story behind that zoomed in portion of what you see like i think that'd be a great way to put this into practice now you go it's inc- it's Im- it's important that they write the sentence that isn't strong, mm. that they write the zoomed out sentence. So then, when they write the revised zoomed in sentence, they start their brain, their writing brain, starts being aware of that those two being juxtaposed, so that they understand. Oh, now I could find a sentence I have already written in this draft we already did that is blurry, that is zoomed out because my brain gets what a zoomed out sentence looks like and what a zoomed in sentence looks like. So now they can actually go, because they can go revise and that's where I get all excited because there's so much emphasis, I I think from some teachers, but definitely kids on the first draft. It's like, no, no, just, just get the first draft out. This would be like bonus on the top 10 here. Get the first draft written and make them masters at revision. Make them really good, not, I'm not saying editors, like, yes, you got to get the grammar, yes, you got to get the spelling, yes, it's the revision that's so hard to teach, and this is why Barry Lane is such a fantastic, in this particular, of zooming in is such a great um, revision tac- uh, technique. Number seven, you kind of like, <laughs> but not really. No, 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 no. Um, I, I live with this, I think every email that I ever send that really matters, anything I write, um, for any business plan I'm doing, um, helping someone revise their writing, it absolutely goes into Grammarly. Um, and it is phenomenal. It's going to find the spelling. It's going to find where you've missed the comma, run on sentences, um, where there are unclear sentences. So Hemingway is more, more keep it clear Worldly work on the clarity and and Grammarly is much more of what the name is saying like you're gonna have something that isn't gonna have the mistakes That are just too easy to miss and a number of times I Will miss a, a comma on a fanboys or something similar like that. So it's for for me as an adult It's I find it very helpful despite having uh, written for years for kids. Obviously it'd be great I, I don't for for context. I don't tend to love these because I am a more a rules are suggestions because I'm more of a creative writer. Um, and so for this is again for kids who um, are, are building their foundation in writing. And then can, it can be used for, for um, older kids as well, but this is especially helpful as kids are learning the conventions of grammar and sentence structure. Yeah, my, my only, my only, sort of fish shake on this would be that 
there are pieces of writing that are just mathematical, like in terms of what you're saying, like there are, there are rules and things not to miss. It's one thing to be intentionally trying to write in a different way. It's another to be trying to write in a different way and think that you hit a rule that you meant to hit, but you just simply missed yeah, it. Yeah, but and that's Grammarly, what's foundation. It's like foundational. Like it's it's foundational, but it's really easy to miss that you thought you got it right when mm. you meant to get it right. Grammarly's not going to miss that because it's got the algorithms that's going to pour through it. So I, I'll write again. Like I, I've used Grammarly. What day is today? Thursday. So I've used Grammarly every day but today i didn't don't think i used it today so i used it every sort of working day monday through wednesday i found myself pulling up grammarly and sure enough there's things that i wanted to get right thought i got right grammarly said oh that's right i could do even down to i thought i spelled the word right because i was just reading it really quickly but i think the thing that that's and i'll stop talking about it for this that I, I love about it is the I, you don't have to feel like you've got to look at everything so closely. I can concentrate more on what I'm trying to say than if I'm trying than if it's actually being said perfectly because I know I'm going to go back with Grammarly and it's going to find whatever I need. Number six is huge, huge, and of course. So just to be clear, as we get lower on this list, the importance starts going higher. Six is I walked into one of my years of college and I went to the writing lab and uh, pulled out my paper and said hey can you read this and help me revise it paper was due in two days or whatever for the professor and I, I know you were like that all the time writing your papers <laughs> two days ahead I could read your face anybody so. who knows me knows I was not working on papers two days in advance <laughs> So I, I brought it in, and, and she was a, a senior. That was like her college job. She's a great writer. She's like a walking Grammarly Hemingway. And I said, hey, can you read this? And help me write she goes, okay, read it out loud. And no, I don't, I don't want to. Just here, here's the paper. Just like, can you just tell me like where you think I missed stuff? Sorry, I don't do that. You need to read it out loud. And I, thought, so I was like huffing and puffing and like rolling my eyes. I was like, I really don't want to read this out loud. Of course I was 100% wrong. Of course she was 100% right. I started to read out loud, and I, classic, oh, wait, hold on, I messed that up. <laughs> and I kept reading and reading out loud to her, and she's just sitting there right next to me, shoulder to shoulder, just peering at my paper. Oh, wait, I messed that up. Hold on a second. Let me go and fix that. <laughs> Got to the end of the paper. I turned to her. I said, you were so helpful. Like, that was just <laughs> awesome. Here's like sophomore year of college. And she said what? during that conversation like, absolutely nothing like she literally did not utter a word as i'm going through that paper and that that struck me so hard that like I, where were the teachers i mean I, I should <laughs> i i should blame myself equally but like where were the teachers that never taught that lesson had us practice it so I was just a religious fanatic when I was a teacher that kids had to read their stuff out loud, um, and they could. We, you can buy teachers can buy they can and you can buy the um, or or just go to Home Lowe's Depot. Home Depot right mm -hmm. and but they have ones that aren't very expensive. So it's a uh, PCV pipe and yeah they goes make from them now. You don't have to, to like make them yourself to mouth yeah um, and so you read into that and uh, and clean them occasionally or just. Make sure kids don't put it on their mouth because, you know, that's gross. And uh, those are awesome because it's going right into their ear. And, and, and it was the first time I read my work out loud. Um, the whole concept of writing 
is that it's meant to be heard. And, and the, the, the lesson that you teach your kids is we, every human being on this planet had grew up with stronger ears than they did eyes. And, and, and I mean that somewhat metaphorically, but, but it is the truth that we listen before we read. Well, if we had years of listening before we read words, that part of our brain has to be stronger. I don't think I've ever thought about that. And so... Th- I mean, that seems like a really basic thing. And I know I'm like, yeah, well, the, totally surprised here. And that's like, the exact look that you'll get on your kids' faces when you're a teacher standing up in front of class explaining to them why it's so critical. And share stories. I mean, I would share stories of our kids and that they were illiterate at a certain age, but man, they sure could hear and understand. And so when you read your writing out loud, you're accessing that part of the brain that, that's stronger. Number five um, is connected to number four and three. So um, I might have to do this one in reverse order. Um, kids so off, so I'm gonna do kind of a three, four, and five and put them all together and bring us closer to the end here. Kids so often think that multiple ideas is the way to go. Like, okay, how is, uh, how is you know, are, are dogs better or are cats better? Are cats better and dogs better? Let's say that's the topic. Which better, cats or dogs? And kids want to make a list of 17 ways that a cat or a dog are better. And that's not nearly as powerful as picking one, maybe two. I mean, it's a struggle for a kid to do one, and I'll, and I'll explain that. That if you if you pick if a kid just picks one idea, and I do this with constantly to help kids with their writing, and it's such a difference. They pick one idea, prove it, and then why does it matter? So you, what you're doing is you're going for depth instead of breadth, and and most kids don't know how to do that. So if you walk them through the process, what's the one reason why the cat's so much better than the dog, or what's the one reason that a dog is so much better than a cat, and then prove it. And then why does that idea matter? Why does it matter that the do- that one idea about the dog or that one idea about the cat? And if you flesh that out, they're putting all their focus on one idea instead of 17. Oh, it's going to be such a better paragraph. And so I guess this in particular is more what the nonfiction, right? Not the, the fiction writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really three, four, and five together. Final two. Number two is cutting, and and this is so true for adults as well. Um, in how much better it can be when you go and you just like this goes back to just get the first draft out, like adult or kid, whatever, just get it out, and then go back and can if there's a word that's there that does not have to be there, that does not truly add to the writing, watch what happens when you take every one of those words out. And, and remember this book I had read about um, free writing. You ever heard of free writing, that concept? Where you don't let your pen or pencil stop? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the idea is you write till you're just spent. But then you'll realize if you go cut, you'll end up cutting like the yeah. first third of what you wrote. And then the really thing you were trying to say came up three minutes into paragraph two or something like that. Yeah. In other words, it, wasn't, it takes a while for our brain to get to the point. Um, but that's, that's on a large scale, even on a smaller scale, we tend to put so many more extra words than, than we need. 
Um, and so cutting is huge and, 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 and you can really condense and get to the, the density, the, the part that matters what they're saying. Trim the fat. Trim it, yep. Number one. The number one most important thing you can do to teach a kid to be a better writer, to help them at homework, to help them with that paragraph, to help them with that sentence, is something that blew my mind. You mentioned you blew your mind about the idea of our ears are stronger than our eyes. This one I also wish I had learned so much earlier, that writing is the response, is the answer to a question. Writing is the answer to a question. If you read a paragraph and you go, my goodness, that's a great paragraph, it's probably because it answers so many questions that a reader would have at that moment. And I don't care whether it's fiction or nonfiction, but something that's written well isn't because it threw in a whole bunch of adjectives, isn't because they were trying to sound cute, isn't because it's got perfect grammar, but because the reader is walking in there with questions they might not even know they have. And, but those questions are answered. You've got all the, 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 the whole rainbow of like power there in a really descriptive paragraph. And so that's great. How do you make that happen? This goes back to what I was a failure at as a teacher in that, in that third year with that kid. When he came to me and he said, I'm done. The classic, I'm done. All I had to do, I'm like, I'm like I want to shake myself. All I had to do was go to the very first sentence, maybe the second, read it, or have, even better, have him read it out loud, right? And the minute, the split second, that I had a question as a reader, I can say, wait, wait, stop. And I can write that question down. Okay, keep reading. Okay, wait, stop. Another question pops in my head as a reader. Write it down. So let's give an example of that. He says, I'm just going to get like a low writing, um, some where it's really short. Uh, we're doing, oh, the cats and dogs one, right? So he, he, he says, I'm done. He brings me his paragraph. And it is, um, a cat is better than a dog because it's, it's cleaner. You know, the cat's the whole lick itself, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're cleaner. It's so funny that you, wait, go ahead. And, um, <laughs> And so my, what would be like the first question that would pop in your head? That's it. That's like all he wrote. That cats are cleaner than dogs? Yeah, cats are better than dogs they're, they're because they are cleaner. That's like his entire quote-unquote paragraph. What makes them cleaner? Okay. And then that's that perfect. So you write that down along with any other questions you can think of, hopefully he had more than one sentence. <laughs> and then he, you hand him those questions, or if you're working with someone one-on-one, you do it with them. And then he answers those questions. If he answers those questions too vaguely, you're going to end up having, as a more reader, questions. more questions. So what happens, you just keep doing this, and you're, just, you're attacking, you're chipping away at that kid's writing, and eventually these answers get put into the right place in the paragraph, and you've got a significantly better pair. Is it going to be perfect? No. Is it going to be J.K. Rowling? No. But you're going to go from this first grade response yeah. to something so much faster in a way that feels tangible, in a way that feels like, oh, I've got this cool toolkit as a teacher, as a parent, that feels comfortable and, and kind of easy to do, and it's really effective. And, and, so, and it saves everybody frustration. Right? And I think one, yeah. one of the things is, 
like parents and teachers alike get really frustrated when they're like, no, just do this. No, just add this to your piece. If you if you are listening and and having the natural reaction of like, here's the question I have, then it's just a, okay, here's the question I have at this point. You just write it down and say, okay, here are the list of questions that I feel like you need to answer in order for me to really understand what you're trying to say. Go back and answer these questions and then read it aloud to yourself to see if at the end of this, would you expect the listener to have all of their questions answered? Because because you're you're saying you nailed that. You're trying to get to the point where they get so good they mm-hmm. can write it, become a reader instead of a writer, and listen and and, and think list- what questions might the reader have Correct. as they are going through. So the think of that process. as like the final yeah. advanced level. If you don't get there, totally fine them getting used to this process with a peer editor yeah. or an adult is is what you want to get to as soon as you can that it feels comfortable being given questions so that to might answer. be phase two i think it's helpful to sometimes say like phase one you expect them to bring you work that is incomplete because they are learning the process of writing and building upon their writing and then you help them by giving them questions that are natural questions that that you that came up as you were as they were reading to you, and then phase two is to get to turn to them and say, "What questions do you think your reader might have after reading your response?" Right, and then they do it. They kind of get the practice of thinking as a reader and adding that into their writing. Teachers, if you want to introduce the idea as a whole class. Go find an awesome paragraph in a book and then ask them <laughs> what questions were answered to make those two sentences. Yeah. And like, what do you mean? So of course, just walk them through that idea a little bit. Yeah. Second tip, teachers, this is really powerful for a class because you can have three kids, two or three kids, listen. I would say three is kind of a sweet spot number. <clears throat> Three kids listen to the reader. Sorry, three kids listen to the writer read their paragraph out loud. Any of the three kids listening, <clears throat> excuse me, can say stop. Hold on a second. They jot down a question. Next kid, then the kid keeps reading. Second kid goes, oh wait, wait, hold on a second. Writes down a question. So then you can rip. They can rip that paper or note card or however you want to do it. Post its work well. Post it sure. Um, and they can hand all that in to the writer. The writer, kids like to argue at times, <clears throat> so you have to preface it with saying, if you say, you're, you're not, this is not a conversation, it's not a judgment, it's not a competition, so you're, you're not, don't receive a question, this is the teacher talking to the, the kids as a whole group, don't receive a question thinking I want to argue, don't receive a question saying, oh, but I answered that question. Because if they feel like you didn't answer that question, then you didn't. maybe you, you didn't. And, and frankly, you're gonna, if you have three kids listening to you, you might end up with a decent number of questions. Let's say you got 12. What if you only pick seven? You give them some number. And, and if they only pick seven of the 12 and they work on really answering those seven questions well to put them in to their story or their nonfiction text... Um, and they really don't like question 11 and 12 they were given, cool. They, could, they can skip it. They're still going to walk away with, with a, a piece of work that's revised so much stronger. Um, if you have other ideas for us on writing help, and want to share with, with the community getting 
our little ones to be more skilled as authors, please do reach out to us, uh, teachinggab at gmail.com. Uh, and the number is 832-819-5166. I, I, I feel like we cannot end this episode without talking about, I know we're talking about revision and writing. I feel like we can't end this episode without talking about how important it is for kids to listen to reading. Um, just to know what good writing sounds like. Yes, there's the only way you can it, be alert, and, be and a writer. And with so, so many, like, with so much technology, you don't have to be the one reading all the time. But you, I mean, Dave will be cooking dinner and have a story playing on his iPhone or on one of our voice-in-a-box devices. <laughs> and, and our son will be reading along in a book. And, you know, Dave might say, you know, he might pause the story and then ask Jay a few questions. But there is something just so powerful about listening to the cadence of the written word that helps kids understand and be better writers. So you might think, well, my kid is in sixth grade. Great. Pick a sixth or seventh grade appropriate book and listen to it. Um, it will continue to refine their skills as a writer and train their ear to know what good writing sounds like. We talked about we talked about Jim Treleese before, the father of the read aloud, mm -hmm. and he was he was giving a speech and he he had a a teacher turn to him and say, "Well, if if the book's being read out loud, like what if they they enjoy it too much?" What? And he had this funny facial expression on. I think what the, the teacher was trying to say was, "What if they don't want to read? They the don't want to read, word, right? Yeah." But but the way it was phrased, he turned. And then he turned to us, the audience, and he just had this sort of crunched up look on his face. And he he said, "I think some people spend too much time near the microwave." 